For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Exposing the Kingdom of Darkness. This is part three of the series. So, as a result of Lucifer's rebellion against the divine structure that the God of Israel set up in the Garden of Eden, and because of his questioning of God's word and deceiving Adam and Eve to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and thus to obey the serpent, just like as we saw that from Satan's rebellion against the throne of God, where he was cast out of the mountain of God, the God of Israel is going to proclaim judgment upon Satan in the garden for usurping the authority of the God of Israel, which he established in his creation. And in judging Satan, pronounced a curse upon him. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because you've done this, you are cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon your belly shall you go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. So next we're going to see how Cain's behavior, disobedience to the God of Israel in killing his brother, becomes a characteristic of the spirit that operates and governs the kingdom of darkness. So first we're going to see that Cain brought an offering under the God of Israel. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 and verse 5 it is written, And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. So this word offering in the Hebrew is a minha. And a minha is a gift that we bring to someone. And the attitude of our gift that we bring is to be our best and from the heart. So Cain brought a minha to the God of Israel, but it was a gift which he desired to give, and it was not a gift of tribute to the God of Israel from his heart. So as a result, the God of Israel rejected Cain's minha, or gift unto him, because he did it with the wrong heart attitude. So we can see this from Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 and verse 5, as it is written. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground a minha, a gift from the heart unto the Lord. But unto Cain and his minha, he did not accept. He had not respect. And as a result, Cain was very wroth. He was very mad. And his countenance fell. So rather than repenting of his behavior, because he was selfish in his gift that he gave to the Lord, Cain became angry against the God of Israel. And his anger turned to murder against his brother Abel. So the God of Israel asked Cain in Genesis chapter 4 verse 6, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you wroth? Why are you burning with anger? 
For he said to him in Genesis chapter 4 verse 7, If you do well, if you do what's right, shall you not be accepted? If you give your gift with the right heart, with thankfulness, with appreciation, giving your best, will I not accept it? But if you don't do it with this attitude, if you do not well, sin lies at the door. So Cain's disobedience, his rebellion, his anger turned into murder. Genesis chapter 4 verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. So Cain's murder of Abel becomes a blood sacrifice to Satan. Genesis chapter 4 verses 9 through 11 it is written, The Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? For the Lord said to him, The voice of your brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. So the God of Israel pronounced a judgment upon Cain for his behavior, where he said to him in Genesis chapter 4 verse 11, And now are you cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So Cain refuses to repent and blames his behavior on the God of Israel. Genesis chapter 4 verses 13 and 14 it is written, And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it will come to pass that everyone that finds me shall slay me. So when Cain said to the God of Israel, I will be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, what ends up happening, as we can see from Genesis chapter 4 verse 16, where it is written, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. So this is a prophetic way of saying he turned his back upon God, he went away from God, and he dwelt in the land of of Nod on the east of Eden. So we might say in English Nod, but in Hebrew it's pronounced Nod. It's the Strong's number 5113 and it means wandering. So when he departed from the presence of the God of Israel, he lived a life of wandering. So we're told in 1 John chapter 3 verse 12 that Cain is the son of the wicked one. In other words, he exemplified the characteristics and the attributes of the spirit of the kingdom of darkness. So this is the meaning of being a son of the wicked one. 1 John chapter 3 verse 12 it is written, Not as Cain who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And why did he slew him? Because his own works were evil. In other words, he brought his offering, his minha, in selfishness and he did not bring it with the right heart attitude, and he did not give his best, which was in contrary to Abel's minha, which was given in righteousness. So Cain was disobedient to the God of Israel, or in other words, when he went from the presence of the Lord, it was a way of saying that he was departing from the instruction of God. He was departing from God's Torah. Jude chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it is written, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you, contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Continuing in Jude chapter 1, verse 11, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. So let's summarize what we've covered in the first part of this teaching. Number one, before the creation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, Lucifer rebelled against the heavenly throne of Yeshua. Number two, Lucifer wanted to be worshipped as God. Number three, Lucifer wanted to be worshipped in the high places having his own sacred holidays. Number four, Lucifer usurped the God of Israel's divine authority by trying to go around the authority that the God of Israel gave Adam and spoke to Eve, seeking to deceive her. Number five, Lucifer questioned the integrity of God's word when he spoke to Eve. 
Number six, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil symbolizes the mixing of good and evil. Number seven, this mixing is represented by the Hebrew word Babylon, which means to mix. And number eight, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, spiritually represented and symbolized doing what Lucifer wanted Adam and Eve to do, and by listening to the voice of Lucifer, in essence became the worship of Lucifer. Number nine, the God of Israel pronounced judgment against Lucifer in the Garden of Eden, just like he pronounced judgment when Lucifer rebelled against the throne of Yeshua and his kingship and authority before Adam and Eve was created in the Garden of Eden. Number 10, Cain offered to the God of Israel what he wanted to give. In other words, it was given with selfishness and with a non-thankful heart, rather than what the God of Israel had commanded. That is, when you give a gift, you give it with the right heart attitude, and you give your best. Number 11, Cain became angry at the God of Israel for rejecting his offering. Number 12, Cain killed his brother Abel. And this became a blood sacrifice to Lucifer. Number 13. Cain refused to repent when he was confronted with his behavior by the God of Israel and ended up rebelling against him. Number 14. In examining and looking at Cain's behavior and his decisions, it exemplified the ways of the kingdom of darkness in the spirit of the kingdom of darkness. And this is why, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, Cain is called a son, once again, meaning he has the same spirit or character as the wicked one, that is Lucifer or Satan. So next we're going to look at the development of Babylon and the Babylonian system, which is spoken of in the Bible. Because in Genesis chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible refers to the land of Shinar. And historically speaking, the earliest known inhabitants of Mesopotamia, that is the land between two rivers, the Tigris and Euphrates, what is in modern day the area of Iran and Iraq, is what the Bible refers to as the people of the land of Shinar. We're told in Genesis chapter 10 verse 1 that Noah had a son named Ham. And in Genesis chapter 10 verse 6 that among the sons of Ham was Cush. And then in Genesis chapter 10 verse 8 that Cush begat Nimrod. And in Genesis chapter 10 verse 10 the beginning of Nimrod's kingdom was Babel which was in the land of Shinar. We've already covered that Babylon or Babel means to mix. And Nimrod is the Strong's number 5248 and his name means to rebel. So Babylon is a land of rebellion against the God of Israel and his ways and his instructions, his authority, his kingship, and his rulership. So Nimrod was the leader in building the Tower of Babel. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 4 and verse 9, it is written, And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. Therefore, the name of it is called Babel. This is the Strong's number 894 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary. It means to confuse by mixing, and it comes from or is related to the word Balal, which means to mix. So when we're looking at the Babylonian kingdom and system being birthed in the land of Shinar, we're talking about the historical, physical land of Babylon. So next we're going to look at the Sumerian religious system, or you might say the Babylonian religious system. So the Sumerians had a system of gods, each with a main temple in each city. Marduk, which would be another name for Baal, at the city of Babylon became the chief god of the Babylonian religion. And among the other gods in the Sumerian or Babylonian religious system was Shamash, the sun god, and Ishtar, the goddess of love and war. The Babylonian religious system was temple-centered, with elaborate festivals and many different types of priests. 
As a part of the Babylonian religious system, in the temple that was constructed to the chief god of the religious system, we're going to look at the Babylonian ziggurat. And one of the most important aspects of the Babylonian religion and tradition is the ziggurat. Ziggurats were huge stepped structures with on their summit, far above the ground, a temple. So you had steps leading up to a high place where you had a temple and an altar in the worship of your chief god. So the temple that was constructed once you elevated the steps of the ziggurat was a temple dedicated to the chief god or the city god. Ziggurats were built to reach near the heavens. Remember, Nimrod built a tower to reach to heaven. And this was so that the gods could be contacted and worshipped. Remember, Satan wanted to be worshipped at the Bama, the high places. The size and splendor of a ziggurat would show the city and king's devotion to the particular city god being worshipped. They might have temples to other gods, but they would only have a ziggurat, that is the step structure, to the city god. So a pagan temple had a set of stairs, the ziggurat, that led to the top where was the temple and the altar of worship under the chief god of the religion. So now we're looking at some pictures of a Mayan temple, and we can see these remains today in Central America. As the Mayans set up the ziggurats in the temple, paralleling what was done in the ancient Babylonian religion. So in the ancient Babylonian religion, Marduk was the chief god. Marduk was the principal god of the city of Babylon. The conventional writing of the name of Marduk means bull calf of the sun. So in sun worship, it's done through a bull. With the god's rise to supreme importance, he was often referred to as Bel, meaning Lord. The animal of Marduk was the snake dragon. So you have the concepts of bull, snake dragon. The snake dragon was a true composite beast, consisting of a scaly body, a serpent's head, the horns of a viper, feline or leonine front feet, the hind feet of a taloned bird, and a scorpion's tail. So now we're going to look at the linguistic connection to this chief Babylonian god named Marduk. And we're going to see that it's associated, among other things, with the planet Mars. So where we see words that contain in their core structure the M and the R, it's going to be associated to the planet Mars, the god of Mars, and its associated emblem, the dragon. The source of all these words are found in the Semitic root Mara, which is the Hebrew word for bitterness as well as disobedience. And from this root is derived Merad, the Hebrew word for rebellion, which is linguistically associated with Nimrod. We see the letter N before Merad, as well as Marduk. We see Merad in Marduk. So from the Hebrew Mara, which means bitter or disobedience, and Merad, which means rebellion, we have associated with these words Nimrod, Marduk, and Mars. In Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 2, there's a prophecy against the judgment of Babylon, where it says Babylon is taken, Bel is confounded, Merodach. So here, Marduk is rendered Merodach. And we can see it's the Strong's number 4781, and the word means rebellion. So historically, in the days of the rulership of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar waged war against the Jews, against Jerusalem, against the temple, and in defeating the Jews, he took them into Babylonian captivity. The Bible records that it was Nebuchadnezzar who destroyed Jerusalem, brought the kingdom of Judah to an end, and carried off the Jews into exile. When the Jews were taken to Babylon, there were different gates 
to the city. And one of those gates was the Ishtar Gate. And in entering into the city of Babylon, the Ishtar Gate was the starting point for processions. So the Ishtar Gate was one of the eight gates of the inner city of Babylon, which was built during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar II who lived from 604 to 562 BC. So the Ishtar Gate was the main entrance into Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar II of Babylon dedicated the great Ishtar Gate to the goddess Ishtar. And from the goddess Ishtar, we have the English word Easter. And in the book of Judges chapter 2, Ishtar is rendered as Ashtoreth. So the Ishtar Gate was decorated with glazed brick reliefs in tears of dragons and young bulls, which symbolized the gods Marduk and Adad. So King Nebuchadnezzar had an inscription of dedication for this Ishtar Gate. In the dedication inscription, read as follows. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the faithful prince appointed by the will of Marduk, the chief god of the Babylonian religious system. I placed wild bulls and ferocious dragons in the gateways and thus adorned them with luxurious splendor so that people might gaze on them in wonder. I let the temple of and this name refers to the highest festival house of Marduk, the Lord of the Gods, a place of joy and celebration for the major and minor gods, be built firm like a mountain in the precinct of Babylon of asphalt and fired bricks. So Procession Street led from the Ishtar Gate through the center of Babylon to the main temple enclosure to Etamanaski, the building of the foundation of heaven and earth, where stood Marduk's ziggurat, or the house that lifts up its head. So now we're going to go from examining the Babylonian religious system to the description of Pergamos, which in biblical days was called Asia Minor and today is located in present-day Turkey, which we're going to see from Revelation chapter 2 that Yeshua calls the seat of Satan. Revelation chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 it is written, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he which has the sharp sword with two edges. I know your works and where you dwell, even where Satan's seat is. So now let's look at the history of Pergamos. Pergamos was located in Asia Minor, Turkey. Pergamos sat in the midst of the mountains between the Black Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Aegean Sea. After the death of the Greek king Attalus III, who reigned from 138 to 133 BC, the Romans came in power, and under the Romans, Pergamos became the capital and cultural center of the Greco-Roman world. And in the Greek era, Zeus was the head of the pantheon of gods, and Zeus was regarded as the supreme god of the pantheon of gods. The Pergamon altar of Zeus is a monumental construction built during the reign of the Greek king Eumenes II in the first half of the 2nd century BC on one of the terraces of the Acropolis of the ancient city of Pergamon in Asia Minor. In 1878, the German engineer Karl Humann began official excavations on the Acropolis of Pergamon, which lasted until 1886. The excavation findings were moved to Berlin, Germany, and the Pergamon Museum was built in 1930 where the public can view the altar. 
So in ancient Babylon, the Ishtar Gate, which was the eighth gate to the inner city of Babylon, wherein a reconstruction of the Ishtar Gate in processional way was built at the same Pergamum Museum in Berlin, Germany, out of the material excavated by Robert Coldaway from 1902 to 1914. Adolf Hitler assigned the architect Albert Speer to build an outdoor replica of the Pergamum Altar of Zeus, where he gave big party rallies in Nuremberg in the 1930s. So what we're seeing is there is a religious Babylonian system. And when Nimrod built the Tower of Babel, it was a form of religious worship. So this religious system that started out in ancient Babylon, this same system of worship was transferred to Pergamon and then got incorporated into the worship of the Roman Empire. From the book The Two Babylons, pages 240 to 252, it explains the following. In the mysteries of Babylon, which in essence is the religion of Baal, the high priest, who was called Pontifus Maximus, was considered the representative of God on earth and fulfilled both the duties of high priest and king. So Nimrod was regarded as a king-priest. Continuing from the book The Two Babylons, pages 240-241, The city of Babylon fell to the Medes of the Persians in 539 BC. So this was during the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. And at that time, most of the Babylonian pagan priests left Babylon and went to Alexandria, Egypt, as well as to Pergamos in Asia Minor, which is now the country of Turkey. So in Egypt, which was fully given to the mysteries, the pharaoh, or king, was considered a god-man. In addition, the mysteries of Babylon and that religious system of worship not only was represented in Egypt, but it continued in its entirety in Pergamos. In 133 BC, Pergamos was conquered by the Romans. In 63 BC, Julius Caesar, who had been elected Pontifus Maximus, became the emperor of Rome and vested the office of Roman emperor with the priestly powers and functions of the Babylonian pontiff. This comes from Babylon Mystery Religion, page 80. As a result, the mysteries migrated to Rome, namely in the form of the Mithra religion, which primarily centered in sun worship, where the Pontifus Maximus was the title used by the Roman emperors before the Christian era, who also served in the function of a priest. In 376 AD, Gradian became the first Roman emperor to refuse the title of Pontimus Maximus. As a result, in 378 AD, Bishop Damasus was elected Pontifus Maximus. And this comes from the Two Babylons, pages 238 and pages 247 to 252. In the Christian era, the word Pontifus and its derivative Pontiff later became terms used for the Catholic bishops, including the Bishop of Rome, and the title of Pontifus Maximus was applied within the Catholic Church to the Pope as its chief bishop. The term Peter Roma means the Grand Interpreter, referring to the Babylonian mysteries. In Rome, it was given to the Pontifex, who was seen as the Grand Interpreter of the Roman mysteries. So in 431 AD, as affirmed in the Council of Ephesus, the Pope broadly declared his preeminence as the holder of the keys of Peter. As a result, this claim raised the Pope to the position of Pontifex Maximus and finished the foundation of the interpreter of the mysteries which began to be laid by Constantine in 325 AD when he declared Christianity to be the state religion of Rome. So let's summarize what we've covered in this part of the teaching and study 
of the ancient Babylonian religious system, introduced initially by Nimrod, and which was later ultimately transferred to the Roman Empire. Number one, Nimrod was from the land of Shinar. These people were known as the Sumerians. The Sumerians became the Babylonians. Number two, Nimrod built the Tower of Babel. Well, that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject exposing the kingdom of darkness. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.